Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. We are here with an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. In this OTT episode, we have Coco Vinny, Vinny Zaldivar from Long Beach, California, the LBC. I'm looking forward to meeting Coco Vinny. <laughs> yeah, what about you? He's quite a character. Maybe he'll play, uh, was that a ukulele? It was a ukulele. Okay. He plays it very, very well. I know. Yeah. A nice voice, too. Yeah, good maybe voice. He'll, maybe he'll play it for us. He's a self-proclaimed Mexican Jew and th- just a bigger-than-life character with a, a great product. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So uh, before we get down to business, a couple quick announcements. First of all, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe wherever it is that you listen to podcasts or if you watch us on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. Make sure to give us five stars. Uh, Whatever social media you're on, find us, follow us. We're Outside Tank, at Outside Tank, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, we're everywhere. We're taking my over space. the world. We're not on MySpace, oh, okay. Joe. I'm sorry. You may still be on MySpace. <laughs> I'm big on MySpace. I bet you are. <laughs> and uh, finally, OutsideTheTank.com for all the entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs out there. That's where we house some really cool stuff. We have uh, an option where you can schedule a quick call with us. You can walk through your business model, your growth strategy. We're happy to help you however we can, so you can schedule that. You can also get access to our book, entrepreneurial landmines, all the mistakes that early stage entrepreneurs make. And then there's also a link to our Growth Tent entrepreneurial community, which are our little virtual peer groups of entrepreneurs all throughout the country and a learning community. So whole bunch of stuff there outside the tank.com um, for those entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs listening. that jump into those tribes actually grow faster. That's right. We know that. We've seen that for five years now. So we're very proud of our G10 tribes all across the nation. Everything that we do is about helping entrepreneurs grow faster. We love talking to entrepreneurs. We love helping entrepreneurs. We love putting really cool entrepreneurs together. Um, And that's why we're doing this podcast is because we wanted to talk to the really cool, interesting, unique entrepreneurs on Shark Tank. So we know many of you have seen them on TV. You watch the show. So what a cool way to learn more about the show, learn more about those entrepreneurs, and then obviously dig into their business and find out what we didn't find out on the show, what happened afterwards, what led up to their appearance, what are they doing now. And then at the end of each episode, which I really love when we do, we do our little whiteboard session on the whiteboard behind us and we break down some of the really cool stuff we learned from the entrepreneur that was our guest. Yeah, we do a little post game and do a little teaching. We, uh, we learn so much from doing uh, these sessions and whenever we're in a tribe, our G10 tribes, it's just fun being with these people and, and digging out the nuggets. So uh, after we're done, we'll do that post game. So let's talk about Coco Vinny. Season 9, episode 12. This aired on November 26th, 2017. Um, now, interestingly enough, it's been 
over three years. So there's probably going to be a pretty significant update that we get from Vinny. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, he comes into the tank asking $150,000 in exchange for 10% of his business, and he values it at $1.5 million. Yep. And so <clears throat> he has, actually at that point, he had two products. He had um, Tapa Coconut, uh, which is a, a, an interesting product that y- you could take a coconut. I'm dumbing it down, but screw a little hole in it, put a little thing on it, wrench it down, and drink that coconut water, and it would last. It would seal and last for four weeks in your refrigerator, which I think is brilliant. And his second product was really a beverage that they were delivering to stores, I think, in both Southern California at that time and the Las Vegas Strip. Yep. And so... Uh, yes, yeah, so he had the, he had the two, products. two products. He comes in, you know, in 2017. So he had a full year of uh, business under his belt. Uh, year one in 2016, he had done 250 thousand of revenue, and then he said he was on pace in year two, which was when this aired, of doubling that. Yeah, times two. Yeah. Um, there was uh, there was a, a spate of questions about delivery. The problem that haunted, uh, I think, the minds of the the sharks were how does he deliver this? He's really in the delivery business. Well, because 80% of the business was actually these beverages. 20% for the tap kit, 80% for the beverage. So they were were struggling to find out what business are you really in? What feeds what? Because he had the two different things. And so, you know, the taps make sense, right? Maybe you sell them on QVC, you sell them on Amazon. It's a product. Great. Okay. Maybe you sell them to resorts. You put them in gift shops. I don't know. But you you can do that. Um, This beverage industry was a little different because they're selling these, I, I guess, crates or cartons of coconuts that are ready to be drank to Mandalay Bay and the Mirage in places, you know, on the Vegas Strip. So it's, well, how many of those can you sell on the Strip and how many resorts can you sell to? And then he said, well, you know, other resorts throughout the country and, and maybe even the world are asking for this. Okay, well, how do you deliver that, right? <laughs> so it's one thing if you have a little warehouse near the Strip in Las Vegas that you can take those to, but how do you really scale the business? They saw it as a problem of logistics. And he uh, he actually went after Lori at one point with... Uh, the tap kit product, and uh, he targeted her there. But then he threw in a third revenue stream uh, that they weren't doing yet, but right. that he wanted to do, which was uh, stands, you know, almost like a mini food truck, if you will, where, hey, we've got a, a coconut stand, and you can buy I think he called coconut. it a Coco Tap Shack was the brand. Okay. And so I don't know where those would go or if those have happened since, but that was a a third thing. So he's got these three different things. But he lost them on that one. You know, and I've always found this interesting because, you know, sometimes, you know, if you walk in with the product and you say, hey, I've got this tap. Well, that's a product. That's not a business. Then he walks in saying, hey, I've got three different revenues, two two revenue streams and a third one I'm pursuing. And it's, oh, it's too confusing. Right. So I don't, you know, and again, win for losing with. Yeah, we we only see a few minutes of it. But, you know, I wonder if maybe he could have articulated those two or three things a little bit clear, which we're obviously going to ask him about. So what else? So uh, Cuban went out fast. So did Robert. So did. Uh, Barbara, and they went out because they simply got lost, and I don't think it was completely fair, but they simply got lost on the diversity of product. Again, maybe not telling the story or having the time, being given the time to tell the story. And then Lori went out because she just felt the product was too niche, and then Rohan Osa um, went out, and he also cited, hey, dude, you must focus. Again, 
I'm not sure that was completely fair, uh, but he didn't get a deal. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting to see where Coco Vinny has taken this thing. Yeah, so uh, we got him coming on here. Uh, we're looking forward to it. We got a lot of questions to ask him. So uh, on the other side of this, we'll jump into our interview with Coco Vinny. All right, we are here with the one, and I, I feel confident saying only, Coco <laughs> Vinny. Vinny, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me, guys. Just a beautiful day in Long Beach here. His God-given name is Vincent Zaldivar, and he's from uh, the LBC, Long Beach, California. Indeed. So we watched we watched you on the show. We watched the pitch. We we just broke it down for a few minutes for the listeners um, that may have not seen it or, or had to refresh their memory. So from your uh, perspective, tell us about the Shark Tank experience for Coco Vinny. Oh my goodness! Well, uh, first of all, I got to say it was it was a a growth invoking experience. Period. Um, you can't really even prepare for something like that. They they gave me some direction. I made a pitch, but actually when I got there, they changed everything about what we had rehearsed. I rehearsed a whole pitch about probably 200, 300 times where I was gonna walk into the tank, get to the line, wait 30 seconds, and then start my pitch. When I got there that morning, they said, uh, by the way, we're gonna have you start in the back of the hallway coming in singing playing blah 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 and what i realized in that moment is that i never had played sang walked and done all that together i was usually just <laughs> rehearsing standing still and the cameras went on and they're like go and i was like holy shit i'd never done that before i'd never walked so, in so i gotta so i've gotta ask the the original pitch that you rehearsed 200 or 300 times did that include the um uh, playing. So originally I was going to play when I got to the line and just standing and playing and that's how I rehearsed it. But now I got to walk and I got the rolling camera in front of me and they're like, don't stop. And I was like, it was really, really, really challenging. And I, I, I learned on the fly how to walk and play and sing. And had never done it. you know, people say, you know, you can't walk and chew gum. It's like, holy shit, what's going on? You know? So my brain was on overdrive out of the gate, right through the hallway there was no break. There was no, you know, I was rehearsing, taking a deep breath and waiting 30 seconds. No, it was just, I went from ukulele singing, switched the brain into the pitch and it was, it was wild. So um, I got to tell you, it, it's, uh, it's not what you see on TV. It's about 60 minutes of hammering questions. Like, what about this? What about that? Forget about this. Forget about that. And it's six, you know, it felt like, 30 questions at once the entire time. And so, you know, I was like, okay, I was trying to answer Mark Cuban's question. Then Lori would go over the top and then Barbara, forget about that. This is what, what, you know, I don't care about that. And they were like really going at it. Like a, like a frenzy, like a shark thing. And uh, I was just like, yo, timeout. I, I want to try and get to everyone's question, you know, and it was just, it was really hard to. Do they let you take control. a timeout? When you call for a timeout, do they let you pause or do they keep hammering you? No, I mean, and then, you know, Cuban was the first one that went out. He goes, I can't get straight answers. I'm out of here. And it was, yeah. and he was out. And I was like, really? Just like that? Like, okay. And then um, 
it just went from there. You know, they, they all love the product. They all got lays and they all got fresh coconuts. They love the product. And then, um, you know, I, I felt that they were just making excuses to be honest. So, you know, I mentioned that in the pregame, I mentioned that I didn't really think the edited version of what we saw and what viewers saw, I don't think is really fair because, uh, Cuban, Robert and Bob, uh, 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 Barbara all went out early based on, I don't get it. I'm confused. And that it didn't seem fair to me. And we were talking yeah. about the fact that some people come on with one product and they say, well, you're, you're not a company, you just have one product. And then you came on with a concept, uh, right. two products plus the concept of the Cocoa Tap Shacks, uh, possibly a franchise business. And yeah. that was too confusing. So that <laughs> kind of threw me a little bit when those right. three went out that quickly. Yeah, me too. I mean, um, in our first year, we did a quarter million in revenue with the one product, the Fresh Step right. Coconut. And, you know, that's um, – somebody was calling right there. So but so that's really what – Coconut a popular guy. He takes calls yeah. during the podcast. I love it. <laughs> I tried to shut it off, and it keeps ringing. I don't know what the hell's going on. Don't worry on. about it. I shut the tower off, but so, um, yeah, I was really confused at myself because we have Robert saying there's too much opportunity. And then you have Lori on the other side saying it's too niche of a, it's too niche. So I'm like, well, was, what is it? Is it too big or is it too small? You know, like two different, totally different perspectives. Um, but which is fine. I, I tell you, I grew a lot from that pitch learning. Um, I pitched the tank as what I thought they wanted to hear. And every pitch from there on out, I pitch exactly what we are, who we are, and why we are instead. Doesn't matter what I think they wanna hear, I'm pitching what it is now. And I, I'm, that was a mistake that I made because uh, if I would have just come out there with our core values of us being a zero waste, fully, you know, no packaging, no processing, and and, staying true to the core essence of who we are, that Coco love, it wouldn't have been, it would have been a different deal. Uh, because that, that's really, I, I got off track. I kind of let the producers and them sway me and other people said, Oh no, forget about that. Stick to the numbers. This isn't, this isn't the, the right strategy in that pitch. That wasn't the right way to go. And so that's what I learned. So you, you believe that the, the mistake was you walked in saying, hey, we did 250, we're going to double this year. And, and you were very, you know, kind of numbers and business and versus just saying, look, this is why I started it. Um, this is the impact we want to have. This is where my yeah. passions are. This is the vision of where we're taking it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so they couldn't see the vision uh, because it was, it was early, you know, that was 2017. But now we have the, the franchises rolling out in 36 states this year. We have a tapomatic machine that's fully robotic. It'll laser the logo, drill the hole in the coconut, inject rum, vodka, all that fresh. It's a, it's a coconut cocktail making machine. Hold it. Hold it. You just attracted my attention here. I'm going to eat it. You didn't have- <laughs> He didn't have it before? He had most of it. He has 120%. So <clears throat> one of the things we like to talk about is what happened, obviously, after the tank, outside the tank. Yeah. So, so much has happened. So uh, maybe slow it down and, and right. give us a cadence. So the, the next okay. uh, few weeks, few months after the you were on there, 
Um, and when did it air? How long was it before that show aired? So we filmed it in June, July, and it aired in November of 17. Okay. So uh, I think the date was like November 28th, 2017, it aired. And we sold about $30,000 worth of toolkits on our website after the airing over the next couple of weeks, which is gotcha. a good little spike in revenue. Yeah. Um, and then I, I continued to get more accounts. So we just, after that, we just kept acquiring customers the same way, knocking on doors, presenting the product, getting more customers. Now we're in over a hundred locations in Vegas. Um, even with the pandemic, we're, we're doing decent considering all, you know, we've lost a lot of quality restaurants. It's so sad, yeah. but, um, you know, we, we got the cruise ship industry, uh, Royal Caribbean cruises is a customer now. And when those ships start sailing again, we're going to be doing a million plus with them. Um, are you, are those just ships, uh, leaving out of California or are you able to supply in Florida? No. No, that's Miami. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's great. They have their own island called Coco Cay. So we're nope, I've been. We're going to have, we're going to have coconuts on Coco Cay. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, that's, that's um, some of the things. So am, I correct in, am I correct in making the assumption that after you, uh, after you made your pitch on Shark Tank and you came out, you refocused on the genuine nature of who you are and who the company is. You went back to being true to yourself. Yeah. Just focus on the mission. I mean, you know, it's, I realized in that moment that there's no savior, there's no shark, there's no person that's going to come magically change the deal. The deal is the deal. Our product is awesome. And so it's like, I don't need any of these guys to come in and save us. Uh, and I, you know, people get caught up in that. They think, oh, just because you got to deal with Cuban or somebody else that, yeah, it could be life changing, but you got to work. And it doesn't matter. You know, really, I, I was grateful not to get a deal after that because I learned that a lot of the deals that do happen on TV never close. Right. They go through this rigorous diligence and they they trade the deal out. I mean, if you agree for 10 percent, they they trade you in the back for 40 or 50 and same price. You know, that kind of stuff happens. Sure. Bait and switch. And yeah. then um, I just I feel like I'm. I'm 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 really really grateful to just have the core essence of the company not be rocked by anyone else coming in. Like too many cooks in the kitchen is not a good thing, and those guys come in and try and take over and stuff like that. Yeah. So so you said you said on the show you you were anticipating going from two fifty to five hundred thousand of revenue in twenty seventeen. Did is that about what you ended up doing? Is doubling in year two? Um, I had a couple of setbacks. I did 350 in, okay. in, in the next year. And then, yeah, we did, we went to 500 and then, um, well, pre COVID we were projected at 2 million. So, uh, we're scaling now. I mean, I'll have this thing by 2025, probably North of 30 to 50 million. So with my machine coming out, the Tapomatic is going to change the entire game. I mean, I'm going to have thousands of machines in resorts, restaurants, markets, juice bars, gyms. I mean, you can get a fresh coconut on the fly. The, you just put it in, touch screen, and it does everything. So tell us more about that. Tell us about the evolution of that, how, yeah. that, how so, that announced itself for you. So I listen to the market. The market tells you what their needs are. And a lot of the excuses we were getting from customers was that there's not enough shelf space and that um, the pricing was too high you know, on the wholesale and and that they just you know 
it's a fresh product. So they don't want to get uh, order too much inventory, not enough. So this makes it a real time production situation where they have a machine on the counter that the customer orders a fresh rum and cocoa and the bartender just puts it in and it's made fresh right there. They, they literally can have the coconuts and the taps and the machine ready to go. And so, yeah, the, the Tapomatic is, has been on my board. Uh, we call it the product roadmap and I'm an inventor problem solver. And so as soon as I got the patent, in fact, I have it here. I'll show you guys. This is something that people said that we would never get. So ah. this, this is the patent and that I was on the show, the profit also. And if you, yeah, I, I want to, I'm going to ask you about that because I, I, I don't remember, but I've seen every episode. So I, I do want to, uh, we'll come back to that for sure. So lots of evolution has happened since 2017. My tap was plastic. Now I have a proprietary patented formula that is made out of ocean safe, uh, compostable um, maize corn flour and coconut material. So it's zero waste. There's no plastic in it. The cap and the tap, in fact, uh, could you get me one of those caps and taps, please? I'll I'll show you right now. Um, let's change this background a little bit so you can see more clearly. That should be cleaner. So um, can you put the girls in the bikinis back on? <laughs> for a small fee, we'll have them show up to your door with some fresh coconuts. So um, this is the the new cap and tap. This is not plastic. This is made out of a ocean safe, fully biodegradable material that you could literally bury and the worms will eat. So I've stayed true to my core. People thought it was impossible. They told me I'll never get a patent and that I'm crazy. Well, it's real. I'm crazy. <laughs> I am cocoa crazy, but shit like this happens when you get a little crazy and you don't quit, you know, no matter what the billionaire experts say, you can do it. Yeah. So, so this, so this tap machine, I walk up to a, uh, you know, little resort, uh, hot Margaritaville, and, Margaritaville. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's no different than the Margarita machine, or I'm even thinking like back in the day, the old Jaeger bomb machines, right? It's just another yeah. thing sitting there. And then they order their coconuts from some local supplier and then right. they have them and they may have a drink. So, Hey, you know, uh, I just want a coconut and it's X amount. And then someone else may say, yeah, dump two shots of rum in there. So there's different ways you can do that. Is that right? Yeah. The Tapomatic will hold up to eight bottles of different liquor or coffee or juice or supplements. And it'll, and you just put in there two ounces of rum, you know, you have vodka, cocoa, whiskey, cocoa, tequila, cocoa, whatever you want in your coconut. And that's, that's literally the game changer for us because we're going to franchise that out. Territory franchises will be uh, sold where somebody has the right to sell those Tapomatic machines into the market. If they get 100 Tapomatic machines placed. They make money on every tap sold. They make money on the lease of the machine every month. So a franchise owner can make 100 grand plus a year, six to seven figure salary over just how many Tapomatic machines they place. Wow. And, and I'd imagine the selling point of that machine to the resort or the bar, whoever else is, that's gotta be a super high margin uh, cocktail, right? Yeah, so the, the bartender and the bars will have about a $3.50 cost with rum, with everything, and they blow it out for 12 to 15 or whatever, you know? 
Oh, you could spend you could spend fifteen dollars on a lousy frozen margarita at a decent place. So, and this is a custom laser branded coconut. Like, I mean, this is legit. I think people would pay twenty bucks for that, no problem, with a double shot. I mean, same with like Vegas. I mean, you you know this. So, vacation, you're in that resort. So the so the strategy the strategy then on that machine is you're selling franchise territories around the country. Yes, sir. And then, so once we have a hundred franchisees that have all placed a hundred machines, that means we have 10,000 machines in the market doing five cocos a day. We'll be doing 50,000. We're selling 50,000 taps a day. We're selling 50,000 cocos. And then there's a whole revenue on, on leases on the machines. Can, can you tell us a little bit about the structure of the company? Have you split or splinter the companies off into divisions or separate companies, Benny? So right now, no, we, we uh, have everything under one roof. We have our tap facilities, um, all of our intellectual property. Everything's under one roof at the moment. Um, oh, sorry, the phone is blowing up. Could you text Steve and tell him I'm on a call, please? Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's really, we're, we kept it all under one roof. And we're going to have a manufacturing division that are building all the machines. It's called Nuts and Bolts, Nuts and Bolts CNC. That's another company that's going to be doing all the fabrication and manufacturing of the machines. So, those those machines, you know, are almost like your razor uh, in the sense that you need the razor blades. So, you know, as you get those things placed, I mean, you're just going to have those orders coming in of those taps. Exactly. That's the, exactly why I designed it. the The machine is a giant razor handle. And the coconuts and the taps are the blades, as well as the um, sponsorship, which is the brand activation dollars that come in from all the alcohol companies to make sure if Bacardi wants real estate in there, they get their logo programmed into the machine. You know, all the all the brands get to pay for that real estate. So there's a trip. It's a razor, triple razor blade model for me, uh, the way I've designed it. Yeah, the name dropping is is brilliant. Can you share, um, and I want to go back, I wanted to ask this question earlier, your in, intention, your reason for going on Shark Tank, was it for the raise? You you asked for 150000 for 10% of your company. You valued the company at $1.5 million at that time. Did you go on with the intent of doing a raise or was it more for yeah. the exposure? It was a genuine offer. I, I, uh, I felt that the value was there for, for first year out having that kind of traction in one market for a product that, I mean, we're in a multi-billion dollar sector. I mean, the coconut sector is growing exponentially. So we have our own category. You know, they try to compare us to a Zico or Vitacoco, but the reality is we're a fresh, ready to drink product, ready to drink coconut water. So that's different from package process. And we're our own category, you know, just like bottled water wasn't even a thing, you know, years ago. Now bottled water is its own category. So um, the coconut space is growing. It'll go from 13 billion globally to 31 billion by 2024. And we're right in the middle of it, man. We're tapping fresh. We're, we're, we're bringing the experience, the branding, uh, better for the planet, better for the people and fun. So it's, those are our three non-negotiables. <laughs> You got to have people planted and fun. If it doesn't have that, we ain't going to mess with it. I love it. And I'm assuming you're going to be targeting the resorts in Jamaica and Mexico and Caribbean. Already already got them. I mean, all of Margaritaville is in Caribbean. 
when they get back at action going after COVID. Um, I've been shipping taps to the British Virgin Islands. All the coconut farmers during COVID, we started shipping these over to them and we've tripled their coconut business just by them installing the tap. And so there's so many great, you know, proof of effectiveness models that are coming out of this. And it takes time, right? I mean, any entrepreneur that's listening to this, anyone that's doing anything, it takes 10 to 20 years to make an overnight success. So if you're not in it for long game, I tell people, I said, you go work a job, go get a paycheck because I'm, I I built an 80 year plan. Even if I'm only going to live another 60, I'm all in. You got to be willing to, to just go the distance. It's a marathon, man. It's not a sprint. So. Yeah, there's a, there's a real, to me, there's a real difference between someone who is uh, excited and willing to play the long game, excited about their product, committed, both excited and committed to that long game, or someone who just wants to uh, right. create a product and flip a company. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you can go back to Malcolm Gladwell and his 10,000 hours, and yeah. that t- it takes about three or four years to become an overnight success, but <laughs> that commitment and that passion comes through. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we just got our patent issued this last year, so we have 20 years to find true you know, efficacy and, and market, market success. Um, and I, I feel like we'll have it in less than another five. I mean, we've already sold, we sold close to three quarters of a million coconuts in the last few years. Wow. You know, that's, that's a lot of coconuts. So, I mean, that's just proof that it works. It's working. Our customers keep ordering every week and that's the traction that we really want to see. Um, you know, and another thing is a lot of people, don't have the mindset, like you said, uh, you know, even if they're investing in stocks, you know, if you buy a quality stock and it goes up in a, in four months and you're already thinking about flipping, that's cool, but you're not an investor. You're just a trader. And a trader's mentality is I feel that the sharks all have traders mentalities. I feel like they're all just looking to write a quick check, 50, or hundred grand, push it, pump it, and dump it. And that's not what true value or equity is about. Building a real company with real value is about building jobs, long-lasting, affecting the community, building value and equity. And that doesn't happen overnight. So that's really the difference. You got to have a mindset of long game. You are describing the typical characteristic or persona of a VC. They want to get in and get out inside of 36, 48 months. And there's a big difference between that and someone who wants to build value and build a legacy, build something pretty special. Yeah. Yeah, This is, this is not just an ordinary flip deal. I mean, we're going to have farms. I told them on Shark Tank, imagine you're sitting on your own Hawaiian coconut plantation. That was real. I have 142 acres that I've already uh, putting into escrow that we're going to plant 6,000 trees that overlooks the ocean, the sunset, everything's real there. Like that's the real deal. Like I, I, I fast forwarded my vision to them over the next, you know, Hey, in 10 years, we're going to have all this. Right. But they didn't want to hear that. They just want to hear what was happening next tomorrow or next hour. And that's just like, all right, well, that's, I'll, I'll probably be back on the tank. Once this machine guns out, I'll probably be back in there. 
you know. Yeah, that's what I was I was thinking as you were saying that if it was something that was interesting to you. I mean, you're probably yeah. one of the few that leaves and kills it, you know, and really does what they say they were going to do. And I yeah. you could go back on that the ask is going to be far different, but oh, it yeah. they're gonna pay up, baby. They're gonna pay up. Can you share a little bit about your experience attracting uh, investors, equity uh, partners? I assume you haven't bootstrapped the entire uh, organization up to this point. I have. I've been every coconut sold. I reinvested into the company, uh, and I've been writing all the checks. Uh, I have a few angel, you know, friends and family. We um, we're, we're finishing up a seed round. Our first seed round is closing right now. So, and that's with some great people that are long game. They're not trying to flip us. They're just really about building the, the cocoa dream and, and helping us affect. So they're the right kind of investor. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, it took me a long time to really find who fits for this deal. And it's somebody who cares about the planet. It's somebody that cares about really, really fresh, healthy products and somebody that actually can kind of have fun and, you know, chill out a little bit and play some ukulele and have a rum and cocoa, you know, Feet in the sand, coconut in your hand. You don't need to be so goddamn serious. You know what I mean? It's just life is too serious already. <laughs> well, we are hearing today from the one and only Coco Vinny, the, the number one Mexican Jew who sells coconut water <laughs> in the world, right? That's right. I'm the only 6'5 Mexican Jew, <laughs> Colonel Sanders of coconuts. I, so, was, I was laughing when you mentioned that. We're... Um, <laughs> Now, tell us about the experience with The Prophet. Yeah, yeah, that was a trip. So reality TV is anything but reality. Uh, a lot of those guys, um, they just, they, they paint this persona. And I mean, Marcus does it well. He, he, uh, he puts himself as The Prophet where he comes in and saves people. Uh, we, went, we didn't need him to save us, but we, he ended up... Uh, getting on TV, he did a show about Vegas and he was in a cabana drinking one of our coconuts at Caesar's Palace. And so we called him up and we're like, hey, you already got our product on TV, let's do an episode, you know? Um, it was really entertaining uh, the way they edited it, but we flew around the country, 12 different uh, film locations, four different states. It was probably 60 hours of camera time. And uh, it came out to a, a an hour episode on Coco Taps. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of things that happened in that show that were just total counterfeit. Like we would go into meetings and I would make pitches and we would, we would do a pitch and cut a deal. And then they'd edit it out to where I somehow messed up the pitch. And then uh, this thing here, I, it took me three years to innovate this material to get rid of plastic. And I was telling Marcus, this is coming out. While we were filming, I said, you know, so I took him to the factory where we're going to where we're making these things. And on the on the show, he made it his idea. He said, oh, I took Vinny over to this place because I told him he's got to get rid of the plastic. I mean, I've been working on this for three years. So it's a total counterfeit edit. And uh, I mean, just shit like that, man, just just reverse reality stuff. Um, <laughs> but it's well, entertaining. They're, they're not there to make you look good. That's for sure. That's for damn sure. But I mean, it's, it was entertaining. I get a lot of good, you know, feedback from it. People are just like, Oh my God, they know it was bullshit. Cause they know what we're doing. So it's, it's fun, you know? 
So, I mean, it, it sounds like you're killing it. Is there anything, you know, as an entrepreneur that's keeping you up at night? It's, um, you know, I guess causing a little stress and anxiety, or do you feel very good about the direction you're headed in? You know, the thing that eliminated a lot of stress for me, the first three years were probably the most nerve wracking because I had had all these artificial timelines that were set by all these other people. You should be here at this point. You should have already done this. Or you, why don't you have a million in sales yet? So these are artificial timelines that stress you out. And when I realized for a minute, I said, hold on a second. I can take as long as I want. We're not, you know, dying. We're not going out of business. We're cash flowing. I said, I can take as long as I want and go as fast or as, as, as long as I want. So it's like, the, the thing I tell anyone in business is run your race. You know, it doesn't matter what the audience is saying. It doesn't matter what Mark Cuban says, run your race. And if you focus and, and know where you want to go, know why you want to get there, then the how is going to figure itself out. You know, I, I tell people, know your why, know your what, and then the how will come together because you, you, you get their artificial stresses. Stress is not, it's nothing but an energy that you create in your mind. Stress doesn't really have to exist if you don't want it to. So that's the key. Um, right now, I sleep good at night. I mean, I do. I, I, I'm focused. It's long game. You know, we just, every day we, we, we sell Cocoa Taps, man, and just, just evolve and listen to the market. Yeah, take, uh, take that. And, and if you take nothing else away from this, and I'm sure you have, if you're listening or watching, you have two pages of notes, but... <clears throat> what Vinny said is, is so important to me. If your why as an entrepreneur is strong enough, the house tend to announce themselves and take care of themselves. Um, yeah. A lot of wisdom don't, there. Don't overthink it. Just, just do, take action, and record the data. And then, you know, if yeah. you mess up, then fix it. But don't get stuck, you know, in your closet trying to figure out what to put on. You got to show up at the meeting. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. You know, just get there. Stay show in up. Yeah, get the, get that motion. You know that that whole thing. It's like every action has a reaction. Just keep yeah. getting reactions and just keep figuring it out. So, for those listening, how can they uh, follow your journey? Where can they find you? That's my first question. And then my second question is, you know, in terms of the franchisees, are you actively looking for those? Is there somewhere people can go to apply or get more information? Yeah, so we're filing all the legal. We got to get uh, approved in all 36 states that have the franchise laws. Uh, we're going to be producing the machines. We're kicking out about 40 machines this year that we're going to launch in Vegas. So um, they can reach us at Coco Taps for You on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm Coco Vinny. That's C O C O V I V I N N Y at all. You know, Facebook, and Twitter, and and Instagram. So. Um, CocoTaps.com. Yeah, they can reach out to me or the whole team, and we're we're here. We're, we'll figure it out. Whatever they they want to invest, if they want to get a franchise, if they want to just get a fresh tap coconut. We figure it out. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure you've uh, built a really uh, strong team around you. You're you're such a likable guy, and I'm sure you've attracted some really talented people to help you. That, that's what I'm thinking. This team has to be fantastic. Yeah, to carry out yeah. your vision. <laughs> no, these guys are awesome. I mean, uh, Coco Rob, our president, he comes 25 years at Pepsi. Uh, I've got um, a girl Ashley. She does all of our, you know, AR. She's our controller. Uh, We've got robotics engineers, 
Um, so many great people. Coco, we've got Coco Nate, we've got Coco Blair, we've got so many cool people in the deal. I mean, I just, I love them all. And, and everyone is so special to the deal. Like, no, Hey, if you hire someone named Coco, will you call them Coco Coco or will they have to change? If they have a Coco name already, they're already an instant hire. Okay. Um, And they get a, they get a sign on bonus for already having the Coco (laughs) name. But uh, you know, if they want to be normal and not Coco anymore, then we'll just change it to a regular and be like, Oh, Hey Bob, you know, something like that. So I I have, I have one final question. And and if the answer is no, we'll understand. Um, Is there any way we can be an honorary Coco Tom and Coco Joe? Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. You guys are, you guys are in the, in the Coco crew and you come down to Vegas. We'll, we'll have some, some, uh, some really good, uh, Coco inaugural ceremonies to kind of get you all. Yeah, do, you, do you split your time between Vegas and LBC? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I actually, am, I've been going to Hawaii a lot, working on this land deal. Uh, we're moving the whole company to Puerto Rico. Uh, we're getting our, our Puerto Rican designation under act 20. Uh, there's some really tax advantageous strategies there that we're moving the whole company to Puerto Rico. Um, and Miami. So I'm going to be literally going from Puerto Rico, Miami, Caribbean, Hawaii. Just I'm going to be in that that Caribbean loop for for probably the next 20 years. So I'll either see you in Hawaii, Vegas, which is close by, yeah. or maybe the island of Virgin Gorda. We'll meet there. Yeah, brother. We'll, be there. <laughs> well, we, we so appreciate you being here. Uh, I, I am so happy to hear that you are absolutely killing it. Uh, I think not doing a deal is probably the best thing that happened to you. Um, we, we so appreciate you joining us. We'll be following along in your journey. I hope everyone else follows along as well. And uh, if there's anything we can ever do for you, you let us know. But thank you so much, Coco Vinny. We appreciate only Coco Vinny. I appreciate you guys. And sending you guys Coco love. All right, we are back. Uh, as a reminder, I am Coco Tom, and this is Coco Joe. Coco Joe here. That and just made my day. Uh, we're official. Uh, we're that, part of the Coco Vinny team. Great, I love it. That was that was fun. <laughs> it was a it was a blast, and we learned so much. What a nice person. That's the kind of person you want to see win, right? Oh yeah, and you know, there's just so much there. I mean, just such a likable guy, genuine authentic. You know, we didn't really talk about it, but I, I don't think you even needed to ask. You can tell the guy's a hustler. Yeah. You know, I mean, especially to, to get into those accounts in Vegas and to really blow that up on the Vegas Strip, you have to be a hustler. Yeah, he's and smiling, so, he's been smiling and dialing for years. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> there was there was a lot to take away from that conversation. Um, Joe, why don't you go first? What, what do you have for us? One of the first things he mentioned uh, is that he went in kind of pitching to the Sharks what he thought they wanted to hear versus... Generic, like business stuff. Like, oh, I did this last year, this next quarter, yeah. Yeah. And he he wishes that he would have been more genuine and more mission and vision-driven in his presentation. So what he learned from that was that you stay genuine, you stay true to yourself, your pitch is your pitch, you are who you are. So, and, and I love that. And then the other thing he said is you don't need a savior. He learned that you don't really need a shark. And he didn't. He killed it, obviously. You just listened. He killed it. He didn't need a savior, uh, a shark. You know, and you you have to start to wonder, and I think that as we do more of these, you know, now that we're we're watching the pitches and we're having these great conversations – 
you know, I think what's going to emerge is we're going to see a very clear pattern of who should do a deal and who shouldn't do a deal. And I just don't, you know, there was no, there was no obvious way that any of those sharks could have helped him, right? If one of them said, hey, I am uh, on the board for Marriott and they have a thousand properties that we need to get your, uh, you know, little shack at and I'm going to make it happen. Well, then that that's obvious. Or maybe right? Lori with her QVC background with the one product, the Cocoa Tap, she could have maybe blown that up. But I don't even know if that's a QVC product. I I don't know know, You're sitting there in Iowa watching. And and it's not where his business is today. If it's it's February and you're sitting in Iowa, you know, watching QVC, I don't know if you're going to say, ah, you know what I really need is I need a, a way to, you know, tap into the coconuts I buy at the store and, you know, sit there in my living room and drink them. So I don't even know actually, how well that translates. Actually, if you're in that position, all you need is a bottle of Jack and a funnel. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, my Midwest friends. So, but it, but it, yeah, but it'll be interesting <laughs> as we continue doing the show to really see, you know, who should and shouldn't make deals and, 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 and who's best being helped by that. Because, again, there was no obvious person that was going to grow his business and he was far better served and in, doing nothing. And in short order, he knew that he was relieved that he didn't get a deal. Yeah. Uh, he also said, listen to your customers. They'll, they'll tell you everything. But also he said, and then don't listen to anyone else. All those naysayers that say you can't get that utility patent, you can't do what you're thinking of doing. So listen to your customers, but don't listen to the people that are telling you you can't. And Joe, we, we see entrepreneurs all the time as stupid as this sounds, that either don't listen to their customers or don't ask their customers for feedback or advice or don't, um, you know, just pick up the phone and call. Hey, what do you like? What don't you like? What can we do better? How is the buying process? Um, and, and I just can't believe that. It, we, look, you see large corporations do it, right? You see a C-suite at a large corporation that is so far disconnected from their stores or their product or their customers not that there's an excuse for that, but okay, you understand that there's, you know, 20,000 people that are separating the C-suite from, you know, the, the people that are down on the ground in the brick and mortars. But when you're an entrepreneur, you know, if you have five employees, 10 employees, 50 employees, you know, there is no reason, nor are you too big or, or too important to just pick up the phone and call your customers, talk to them, survey them anonymously, whatever that looks like in your business. But I just don't understand why entrepreneurs are either disconnected from their customers or they're not asking. It makes zero sense to me. That's the valuable data. And it's real-time data. It's not, oh, you know, we're down, uh, you know, year over year, quarter over quarter. What's going on? I have no idea. Something's wrong. It's the head in the uh, sand thing, the flamingo or the emu with his head in the sand. I think in most cases, they just don't want to know. That's why they're not asking. So it's avoidance. It's avoidance, yeah. That's, that's, I believe, is a big part of it. Um, Also, real quickly... He realized that he needed to go after the right kind of investor, and, and he has it. He's had a few angel raises, but what he articulated to potential investors is, "You've got to be in for the long haul. This is very much a mission-driven uh, business for him, and he's attracted the right kind of investors for the right reasons, who are there for the journey, not just a, a VC that wants a quick flip in 36 or 48 months. So that's critical." 
And uh, last but not least, he said, don't allow artificial timelines to be established for you. Uh, people say, well, you know, you need to be here and you need to do that and you need to do it at this time. You know, I mean, I've seen a lot of people that obsess over that one million mark. You got to get to a million of sales. Well, should you have, you know, that's not necessarily the best strategy is, you know, just focusing on revenue. You know, are your margins healthy? Do you have the right sales plan? Are you, you know, building the right team? And so sometimes slow and steady wins the race versus let's just, you know, go balls to the wall and get to a million as quickly as possible. And, and I think that's what he was alluding to is just this false timeline of, oh, you should be by this uh, time in your, your business, you should be at a million of revenue. Well, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm taking time to create stuff. Maybe I'm building things. And, I, you know, I, him moving a little slower has absolutely served him better. Yeah, and he, is, he has actually learned how to keep his cap table more intact than most entrepreneurs would have. Uh, and I, 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 I guess, you know, the tortoise and the hare come to mind, slow and steady win the race. But again, great guy. Did you pick up anything else? I did. I, you know, so I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, um, do you think that sometimes people make bad decisions when they create these false timelines, these artificial timelines, and then all of a sudden they become stressed out over something that's artificial and they either raise bad money or they make bad decisions or they don't do what's in the best long-term interest of the business because they're so focused on hitting something that isn't even Yeah, real. it's a domino effect. You listen to a lot of voices. It's good to have great peer influence. We bring people together in our Growth 10 tribes that help each other, but we also, when advice is given, we're careful to say this is only advice. You need to filter through it and decide what you're gonna do and what applies to your business. But the domino effect is a lot of voices creating artificial timelines, creating pressures and stress in the business that shouldn't be there that uh, really force you to make some decisions that are horse crap. And so I think it's a domino effect. Uh, I just I just love where his, his head is at because I think he even said, he said, you know, don't make the business too complicated. Keep it simple. Don't overthink it. And he yep. said that twice. Yep. A uh, couple other ones that I had here, you know, focusing on the why. You hear it over and over again, but he didn't go in sharing his why. No. And it probably cost him a deal, which in the long run was, was good. But I thought that was interesting, you know, listening to the market needs. And as an entrepreneur, you have to understand what your customers want. What do they want differently about your product? How can you improve it? You know, I think you and I, we try our best to not have an ego, to not make assumptions, to not, you know, think that everything we're doing is perfect. We're constantly asking people, you know, give us feedback, beat us up. You know, we have thick skin. What can we do better? And I think that's so important to ask. Um, this is another uh, theme that we see emerge a lot with entrepreneurs is oftentimes there's a better business inside of the business. Right. So when this machine becomes franchised across the country and they've got thousands of them, it's going to be clear that that was a far better business than, you know, loading up a pickup truck and going into Vegas casinos <laughs> and selling coconuts. One is a million dollar idea. The other one is a multiple hundred million dollar idea. Oh, yeah. And then you start getting, you know, licenses and, and partnerships with the Bacardis of the world. And I mean, it's it's going to be really exciting. I can't wait to 
follow his journey. Um, we also talked about, and I love the fact that there's the ongoing revenue from those machines. So you're leasing those machines, which means you've got monthly recurring revenue coming in from those machines, but then you've also got the taps, and those taps are like the razor blades, right? Razor companies will give out a men's razor for free because they want you to buy blades yeah. for a long time to and come. Proprietary, exactly. So that's product. that's his razor blade. Yeah. And I, you know, think about in your business, what can your razor blade be that people have to keep ordering off of you? Um, another one, Joe. This stuff always takes longer, <laughs> and you and I are guilty of it. Yeah, because what about us? We, we're not. We are <laughs> Let's not. Let's look in the mirror. Yeah, and, and but you have to remember that these things take longer. I mean, it's a. It's there are no overnight successes, and so many of the great entrepreneurs out there, you know, it took years, if not well over a decade. And sometimes we expect things to happen so fast. And this is where and we talk about this in our book, but people run out of runway. Because they go, oh, this this will take six months to build this business, or this will take a year. But I'll raise I'll raise a year and a half of revenue, uh, or a year and a half of expenses, and and I'll be covered. And it turns out, no, it took three years. And so you went out of business, or you had to take really bad loans, or you had to give up equity because you thought it was going to be so simple and so quick to build your business. There was a entrepreneur that we both worked with, um, and he made a comment several years back. He said, "I've been at this." almost three years now, and I thought I'd be at blank, and I'm only at blank, and he was really upset, and he was really short-tempered, and he was really just crapping all over himself, down on himself, and I remember you and I both saying in a meeting, hey, relax, You're, this is the very still the very early stage of your development, and what makes you think you should be in a different place? And so we sometimes... Uh, don't realize how long it takes to refine and evolve to a place of real traction. And he said something very interesting. He said he had an 80-year business plan, and he's probably not going to live that long. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, make sure uh, subscribe, give us those five stars. We appreciate the support. Find us on all social media platforms. We love you guys. We appreciate you listening. We are having a blast recording these episodes, um, having these conversations, doing our research. We hope you are enjoying listening as much as we are creating this thing. It, it's OTT, a real blast for We us. get outside the tank. We find out what really happened in there, outside the tank, what's going on now, and we just draft a lot of lessons from it. We hope you're enjoying this stuff. Well, they know that. They just listen to the episode. That's right. <laughs> Thanks as always. We'll see you soon. We appreciate the support of Outside the Tank.